Hey gang, welcome to the Wealthy Healthy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. Here, we'll explore all the things from wellness to beauty to fashion. I'll be welcoming guests who are experts in their fields, sharing from my own experiences to bring you tangible advice and tips and tricks. I hope you stick along for the ride and enjoy the show. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Kristen Markell. She is a double board certified OBGYN, specializes in gynecological and women's health conditions, including things like PCOS, perimenopause, menopause, sexual health, and hormonal health. She takes an integrative approach where she combines nutrition, lifestyle, mind-body approaches, mindset support, supplements, botanicals, and hormonal management in her signature programs, which we dive into in this episode. Selfishly, I was very excited for this conversation because as a almost 44-year-old woman, I feel like I'm starting to have some of the symptoms and signs of perimenopause into menopause. So I wanted to kind of hear from an expert, you know, what are the symptoms? What are the differences? What are some things we can do to try to support the transition? And so if you're like me, and maybe in that phase of life, I think you'll find a lot of the conversation really interesting. But we also touch on other things, you know, hormone related or kind of gynecological things that are out there. We also talk about burnout, which was something that I personally really liked talking about as a as a working mom who feels like I'm constantly juggling a lot of plates in the air. I think a lot of females can relate to hitting a wall sometimes and just feeling, you know, really exhausted. And so I think there's something for everyone in this episode. And I really hope that you guys give it a listen and share it with a friend if you like it. And um, yeah, enjoy the show. Well, today, guys, we have Kristen Markell on the podcast. She is a double board certified OBGYN, and she really focuses in on hormone health. Personally, I couldn't be more excited to have her on just because selfishly, I have a lot of questions as I'm almost 44 and have started seeing kind of changes with myself and my cycle and weird symptoms that you hear people talk about that you're like, well, that's not going to happen to me. So um, welcome, Kristen, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yes, absolutely. I thought to get started, we would give you the opportunity to just kind of talk to the listeners about what kind of led you to this work and a little bit about your journey along the way. Yeah, thank you. Um, So I was, I would say, a pretty classic Um, science nerd, right? Growing up, um, I love science, but I was also pretty chatty. You know, I like to do some research, but also like hanging out with people, talking with them. And so I, you know, went to school, majored in sciences, and then decided I wanted to go to medical school and really enjoyed that. And when we got into our years of uh, doing rotations and figuring out like, hmm, what do I want to specialize in? Um, I liked a little bit of everything. I liked, you know, little surgeries, little procedures. 
um, clinic time and when I was on my OBGYN rotation, I just fell in love because I got to see women in all seasons of life. Um, I got to follow up their care. Uh, and so I was really drawn to that um, and did residency in that. Uh, and then uh, began practicing out of residency as an OBGYN, did that for 10 years. And, you know, just as life, you know, you don't know until things change how mm -hmm. your life is going to shift. Um, you know, about 10 years in, I, you know, I had these lovely little people that were now mine, which um, <laughs> wasn't a part of the picture when I went into uh, practicing and was... Uh, experiencing some burnout symptoms and really like, okay, what, what's going on here? Um, there's got to be more uh, to this story. And that led me mm -hmm. into integrative and functional medicine, which really looks at the overall picture um, of a person. And I got just fascinated with it. And so as I was continuing to care for women, I would just bring more of that into our visits together. I started yearning for that more and eventually decided to open my own integrative uh, women's hormonal health and well-being practice. And so it's just interesting to look back at the evolution of like I started here and then things just kept leading me down this path. And uh, you know, I always tell people, like, just trust where you're going, because where you start, it's, for me, it's felt like just adding on the layers of different pieces that I love so much, that's kind of led me to um, where I am now really exploring hormonal health with women. And I get to still do it in all seasons of life, right? So I'm right. seeing people puberty, um, during kind of reproductive years and, and concerns there, and then now perimenopause and menopause, which uh, fallen in love with also too. No, I think that's amazing. And I think, or I hope that we only continue to see more in the integrative functional medicine space. When you learn about that and learn like, hey, these, this is really looking at trying to get to the root cause, you know, of what's going yeah. on versus just treating some symptoms. It's kind of like, wow, that makes sense. You know, that's logical, yeah. right? But I do feel like we're still, I do, I think there's a movement in that direction, yeah. but I still feel like we're quite a ways away from that being the mainstream. And a lot of physicians, you know, will say in medical school, you're not really taught about nutrition or exercise right. or, you know, mm -hmm. lifestyle type of things that you can do in order to maybe prevent some of these issues or at least help in a more natural way. So I applaud, yeah. you know, you going back and kind of really doing that. Maybe yeah. that's the research side of you, you know, coming through, <laughs> wanting the answers. I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner, right? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, because, you know, I always tell people um, what we do together is so important and what you're doing on the everyday is really how you're taking care of yourself at your health care. And so, you know, becoming uh trained in nutrition and mind body medicine. And, you know, I have always been a lover of movement, you know, I danced my whole life and certified in yoga and uh, really believe that movement and somatic processes just help for so many different reasons mm -hmm. in relation to overall well being. But just putting all those pieces together, especially with someone, 
uh, is one of the reasons that I really enjoyed my integrative training was because I love that collaborative approach of people. I want people invested in their health and just as much as I'm invested in theirs. Um, and I, I do agree that we're seeing a shift and I, I, I think that people are very curious about it on all fronts, right? The mm -hmm. patients and providers. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to see where it will go. Yeah, absolutely. I am too. Um, okay. Well, I really want, and I mean, we can speak about hormonal health throughout, you know, every phase of life for a woman, but personally, I kind of want to start with perimenopause, menopause, because I do think that fertility gets a lot, a lot more, sure, you know, yeah. said about it just because rightfully so maybe, right? Like that, that's when someone is struggling for fertility wise, you know, that's a big deal and trying to figure all of that out. But I feel like perimenopause or menopause is kind of more put on the back burner and you kind of feel bad about yourself when you're going through these things and embarrassed yeah. maybe to ask some of the questions about like, is this normal, you know, that sort of thing. So I'd love to first off, if you could help us understand what yeah. are the differences between perimenopause yeah. and menopause and kind of the age ranges maybe that you might start seeing yeah. either one of those. And I'm going to just say, I think all of the stages are important, right? Because mm -hmm. again, like they build on each other. So it's so important to support women through puberty and everything. But yes, let's get to perimenopause because yes, I'm with you that this, I dub it the forgotten decade, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in order to know what perimenopause is, we have to define menopause and menopause, the definition that I learned as a provider is it's based on when you had your last period. So one year after your last period, you are officially in menopause, okay. right? Mm -hmm. And this would be, you know, um, also in relation to some different hormonal changes. Like if someone hasn't been having a period for a year for other reasons, um, you know, again, get that checked out, definitely. Right. But if we're in that menopause time, which we could talk about, we'll talk about age ranges there, then it's definition is one year after your last period. Okay. So I always tell people that's kind of weird, right? <laughs> because right. all the good stuff's been happening, like the changes have been happening leading up to that time, right? So one year after your last period, you are now in menopause. And, you know, I tell everybody, celebrate this. This is amazing, right? Like think of all the things that you don't have to think about anymore. And we also want to think about how to support women leading up to that because perimenopause by definition is going to be four to 10 years before that. And so if average age of menopause is 51, then we would say that, you know, from 45 to 55 could be potential normal range of when someone is in menopause, right? Mm -hmm. So 10 years before 45, 10 years before 55, this is that perimenopausal time, right? Okay. And so, you know, there's there's different definitions out there of like what happens in relation to hormones as you're moving closer to menopause. But the interesting thing is, is that sometimes hormones will still be normal as 
perimenopausal shifts are happening. Okay. Okay. And so that's why symptoms are so important. Um, Having a provider who is trained in menopause and perimenopause is so important Um, because sometimes if we check those lab levels, which I'm, I'm a, I do check lab levels. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but sometimes if we check them, they may still be in the normal ranges. Yeah. So you're basically saying that you want a kind of a combination, right? Like of looking at both, what are your symptoms and what are your labs look like? Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, in that perimenopause time, so hormones are shifting. Typically progesterone is starting to kind of come down first. And I always say this would be so easy if it just like came down in a really reliable, like, okay, it's going to be here for, for this year and let's go down to here. But it's just coming down, um, coming down slowly over years. Estrogen is sometimes people like to call it a little bit volatile in perimenopause because some months it might be, you know, doing what it normally does. The brain and the ovaries are talking to each other in a good communication. And then the uterus is like, okay, we're going to have a period, you know, if, if we have these particular anatomical pieces, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes the communication gets a little bit off. Right. And so we may have a shorter cycle or a longer cycle, or we may have a double ovulation. We might have some changes in hormones that can contribute to some of these perimenopause symptoms. Okay. And And so let's talk about, should we talk about symptoms? That's what I was going to say. Can we talk about some of the fun (laughs) symptoms? (laughs) You know, and what I'm, want people to think about here is that we have estrogen receptors on every organ in our body, right? And so um, when you think about that, it makes sense why we have a lot of different symptoms related Mm -hmm. to changes in your hormones. And not everybody has all the symptoms. Not everybody has any of the symptoms. There are some people that are like, I had no symptoms. And, you know, great. You know, we're not, we're not wishing bad on them. We're like, oh, that's amazing that you didn't have any of these symptoms. Um, But we need to think about, we got to talk about all the symptoms because there are a lot more than just the common ones that people hear, right? Common ones are what, what they call the vasomotor symptoms of uh, menopause, which would be like hot flashes, night sweats, um, sometimes even like these warm rushes that come up people's bodies into their face. So Mm -hmm. it's not like always a classic, like, Oh, I'm just drenched. And then now I get cold. It's like, Oh, I'm feeling a little warm. Like what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Right. The night sweats at night. Right. Um, Some vaginal symptoms. So vaginal dryness, uh, pain with intercourse. Um, some of those symptoms related to the pelvic area can be not just vagina, but your bladder. So urinary frequency, urgency, having to get up frequently in the middle of the night. Um, some other major ones that I hear about are fatigue. Fatigue mm-hmm. is huge. People come in, they're like, I just don't know what it is. I'm just right, so tired. So tired. <laughs> and of course, there's plenty of reasons for them to be tired, right? Because Usually in this period of life, um, women are 
you know, they're, they're doing a lot of things, right? They're right. running businesses, running homes, taking care of little people, taking care of parents. Like it, it's, there's a lot of reasons why we could be tired and there's some major hormonal shifts happening there too. Um, insomnia is another one that, that will be common. And this can be related either to the night sweats or sometimes some changes in progesterone, uh, Skin, hair, and nails are a common um, <laughs> common concern, right? Like the skin yes. gets drier, we're having some rashes, um, some itchy areas, itchy ears, like some interesting symptoms that are showing up there. Uh, hair loss, dry hair, mm -hmm. sexual health symptoms can pop up. So change in libido or desire, um, change in arousal pain with intercourse. Uh, let me see. Oh, and then we go to some of the brain type stuff, right? So brain fog, people are like, oh, I'm having trouble finding words. Um, issues with concentration, uh, anxious type symptoms, irritability. Sometimes this is uh, either around right before we start our period, like worsening premenstrual symptoms, or it might be uh, different times of the cycle. And then sometimes even some of those symptoms that you mentioned a little bit of like depression type symptoms or less motivation, feeling bad, you know, mm -hmm. about ourselves feeling like, you know, I, why, why does this feel so much harder than it used to? Um, and let me see if there's anything else. And then sometimes, you know, again, we have to look at all different um, organs because I will even see patients that ha are having some like heart palpitations, mm -hmm. um, uh, change in like muscle pain, uh, like tendon pain, things, aches and pains of the changes in their hormonal levels there too. Now, as a, as a physician, I'm always like, we got to check out, you know, things like I'm if you're having concerns with your heart then I'm I'm also wanting to make sure from a cardiovascular standpoint that everything looks great right. but sometimes it can be as simple as there's some hormonal shifts that are happening there and this is the way that the body is telling us that this is going on yeah 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 um no I think that it's great to hear all of those symptoms and being in that phase of life, like I said, I've started to have some, some of those exact symptoms and it's, it is a little, I hate that it is. And this is just my, you know, mindset, or I do think somewhat societal influence, but it is a little depressing because I do feel like, you know, I, I'm like, I do feel like I have nice thick hair, but it's starting mm -hmm. to fall out more. Um, you know, look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm definitely see that I'm aging, even though I do things to try to prevent that. I'm not, you know, to be transparent. Um, but it's still hard. And then I think just knowing that the door of, even if like I have three children, I don't want any more children at this phase in life, but the door closing on that is still kind of yeah. sad, you know, yeah. like it's still, yeah. you're like, okay, well, even, even if I wanted to, I couldn't, you know, at some point. So yeah, it's just, it's hard, you know, and, um, I do think the more that it's talked about and the more people realize they're not alone and that it's common and that every woman is going to go through this at some point, the better, you know, cause at least yeah, you, you know, exactly. Yes. You know, and I, I'm always like the alternative to aging is not good. 
Right. I try to remind myself of that too. I'm like, okay, look, I might be getting older or looking older, but the alternative is not being here. So. Alternative's not good. And we're going to live at least, you know, at least hopefully more a third of our life in menopause. Right. And so, you know, yes, there are some societal, uh, you know, things that mindsets that, that we have taken on and, you know, I'm, I'm working to, no, that's not serving me. Um, but also this is a really big chunk of our life, right? right? It's a huge chunk. And, you know, with the patients that I work with, we're just trying to figure out like, how does this get to feel amazing? What do I want to be doing in 20 years? How do I set myself for, up for that now? Because mm-hmm. life is not over, right? right. <laughs> We've got right. a lot more time. Um, but there is, just like you said, there's a grieving process, right? With any sort of transition to these different seasons, I think I see that. Um, but especially in the transition into the perimenopause, menopause, because, you know, while some people are celebrating that they no longer have to think about pregnancy prevention and and uh, things related to that, other people are grieving it. And then there's a combination, right? People that are right. doing a little bit of both, like, this is great. And wow, you know, this has been right. my identity for so long. And now I'm moving into a whole different, like, wow, I get to leave that piece here. What does that feel like? Right. Kind of, no. kind of freeing in some, in some ways. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's talk about where, if, if you've had, let's say, so-called normal, you know, hormonal health throughout your life, yeah. but like myself, you're kind of starting to see some of these symptoms that you think, okay, I'm probably in perimenopause. When is a good time to come to someone like yourself as far as getting an accurate, I guess, portrayal of where you're at so that you can start maybe doing some things? And I'd love to talk about what those might be, you know, to yeah. offset the symptoms as much as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it really depends on, it depends on your symptoms, right? Because mm-hmm. some people will notice more, uh, you know, brain and mental health symptoms. Other people are noticing more physical symptoms. Some people it's a combination. And so that's where you really want to work with someone who's aware of, you know, what's happening in perimenopause, what's happening in menopause, because there's going to be different ways to support. You know, mm-hmm. I always start with the foundational pieces of how's our nutrition looking? You know, a common, <laughs> common thing that people say when they come in to see me is like, I'm doing all the things I used to do and it's not working because right. things are changing hormonally, right? The shifts that are happening hormonally have changed the whole, you know, hormonal soup, I like to say. And so now we're swimming in a different soup and we need different ways to support potentially for some people. So looking at, um, you know, are you getting enough protein? That's a huge place to start for women. Most Mm -hmm. people, most women that I know are not. And so that is a great place to start with some building blocks. Protein is like foundational. It's like the gas in your car. um, Right. And great for metabolism too. Right. Especially of those hormones. Um, And then we look at movement practices. We look at uh, strength training because 
as we age, our body needs to keep those muscles, not only for metabolic health, but just for independence, right? We want to be able to get up off the ground. We want to be able to hike. We want to be able to do the things. And so we talk about different ways to help support keeping that muscle mass. Um, and then another thing that that comes up a lot is how do we support stress, right? Because as those hormones are shifting, they're also talking to your cortisol, your stress hormone. And that's going to, for some people, amplify that stress response. And so how do we make sure we have practices in there that are, you know, just like, you know, me getting enough protein throughout the day. It's like, here's my stress response support practice that works really well for me. So when it comes to like the stress, really more just like, what's your go-to when you're feeling really stressed? Like, do you, can you meditate? Maybe you go for a walk, maybe do some breathing exercises, but something in place to kind of take yourself down a notch. Yeah. Right. Or to like complete that stress response. Right. So, um, and this can be so different for everybody. Uh, for me, like, I'm like, okay, meditate every morning just cause that, sets my tone. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes when I'm in a really stressful uh, instance, I need to like move my body, right? So I need to like, um, move like get the energy out. kind yeah, of. Yeah, get it out. So yeah. it's, it's really about learning like what tools are available for you, which ones you like to use to, um, like you said, decompress, um, bring it down a notch, or maybe just like release that energy that needs to go. Mm -hmm. No, that makes yeah. sense. And I do think that one is overlooked a lot. You know, like everyone thinks of food, everyone thinks of exercise. And for the most part, people, if they're going to try to make a ch change for the better, those are the go-tos, but they don't, they don't always think, well, how am I managing my stress? Um, and so I always tell people like, you can eat all the greens in the world, yeah. but if you're in a chronic state of stress, your body still is not doing well, you know? So I like that piece. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts? I'm curious, like what if, if somebody, what, I guess just what are your thoughts on hormone replacement therapy, whether that's, you know, bioidentical or whatever that might be, is there a place you see that fitting in for someone? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Right. Um, you know, there's been such a big change over the last few years in talking about hormones. And, you know, when I was in training, uh, the Women's Health Initiative study came out and mm -hmm. there was a huge shift right there, right? You know, people were on hormones, then like everybody's off hormones. And so I've kind of seen it come full circle and we've seen more studies um, looking at how hormonal uh you know, hormones can potentially be helpful from a preventative standpoint for bone health, for brain health, for cardiovascular health. And so that is a conversation that I have with my patients because, you know, again, we're living like a third, maybe longer in menopause. And that's a really long time to be mm -hmm. without hormones. Right. You're going to have different types, right? I'm not talking about thyroid. I'm not talking about cortisol, you know, what I'm talking about is estrogen and progesterone and, you know, potentially testosterone will change there too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I talk with patients about is like, what are your long-term health goals and how can hormones uh, support that? 
if they have certain risk factors or um, family history or certain genetic concerns, then, then we have to talk about the risks and benefits of using hormones as part of their long-term um, health and well-being or what that would look like. And it's interesting because, you know, before when I, when I practiced, um, it was like, okay, you can stay on hormones till 10 years after, you know, the average age of menopause, and then you have to come off. Right. But again, you know, people are living like 30 more well, years. Yeah. A lot longer. <laughs> and so now, um, the NAMS, which is the menopause society has said that, you know, what you should do is get very well supported. If, if you, are collaborating with your provider, you decide to use hormones, you know, get very well supported there and then do a yearly check-in, right? And check in on like risks and benefits and what's changed in your life and how that plays into, do you want to continue hormones? Do we need to switch things up based on, you know, what's happened? So it's really more of that collaborative, um, continuous approach versus mm -hmm. like, this is right for every single person, 10 years, that's it. And then you're done. Right. right? Mm -hmm. which I love to see that too. Yeah. And I think that makes sense because everyone's different, you know, and risk factors or what their risk tolerance is, you know, based right, on the data. Right. But I am happy to hear that it's a little bit more coming back into play more only because I think everyone got so scared, you know, yeah. about the breast cancer risk or whatever. And then I, and I'm certainly not an expert, but I, then I, I recently read or heard something that was saying when, when you really broke down what that risk was, it was pretty minute. And for a lot of women, the benefit of being on hormones versus that risk ever coming to fruition was pretty small. And so, um, but yeah. once the, you know, once that's out there, it, it can really, it can scare a lot of people. So um, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. You're, you know, you're totally right. And, you know, I don't ever want to downplay mm -mm. breast cancer because it is a devastating disease. And I don't want anyone to have, you know, an increased risk. Um, and just like you said, we know that, that women that were on hormones, right. In these different studies, their risks long-term were significantly less if they were taking hormonal therapy in relation to cardiovascular health, dementia, and bone health, which, you know, again, when you're looking at what are we kind of worried about in those later years, those are the big three, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, again, it's a personalized conversation. And when people come in and, and they, they have these concerns, right, it's, it's totally reasonable. Like you said, we've been inundated with uh, kind of this fear-based, like, oh, this is going to cause this. Um, then we have to have that talk of like, what does that mean for you particularly? Because right. if you could change a few things also in your lifestyle that would actually decrease your risk of, you know, in this case, say breast cancer, um, how would that feel in relation to using these other things that are going to um, help you long-term with, with maybe bone health if you have a family history of osteoporosis, right? right. So, so personalized, yeah. Yeah. And I love that approach too, because again, I don't ever want to downplay anyone being sick at all, breast mm -hmm. cancer, anything. But for me personally, um, I watched my mother-in-law pass away with Alzheimer's and I yeah. know that more women, it's like twice as many women, you know, are diagnosed with that as men. It makes you wonder 
you know, is there a hormone? And I know it's that they look at that, you know, and they're looking at, at that hopefully even more, but is there a hormonal aspect? And so for me, if you said to me, hey, it helps your risk with dementia and here's some things you could do to mitigate your breast cancer risk, I would opt to be on hormones, I think, because I've seen what that disease looks like, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just, I like the the personalized approach Yeah, that you yeah. offer. I, I love, thank you for sharing that. It, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people come in with these, these personal stories of I've seen this happen. I've seen that happen. And based on what I know about myself, I'm okay with this amount of risk. Right. 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 Um, so yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, cause you, you brought this up early on and I, I do think this is another common issue, burnout and the hormones yeah. that, you know, <laughs> kind of come into play with that. Cause I, I will say a lot of my friends that are all kind of, you know, 40 to 50, probably where a lot of us are working moms. We work really, you know, high stress jobs. Um, some, a lot of women are the breadwinners in their household, mm-hmm. you know, but we're also still this generation. I feel like I'm hoping it changes for like my daughters. We're still the ones that own a lot of the responsibility of running the house, of making sure the kids are getting to their events or their, you know, soccer or doctor's appointments or whatever. So I guess what I'm saying is it's no wonder that so many women are experiencing burnout, but could we chat a little bit about what that, I know that's like cortisol, but what that looks like. I hear people say adrenal fatigue and also Mm -hmm. kind of the symptoms that you might be physically or mentally seeing if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with burnout, um, some of the classic symptoms, especially in say, you know, it's interesting. They have studies on like healthcare providers, but I always thought to myself, well, this could really be extrapolated to moms (laughs) (laughs) because (laughs) caring for all these people, right? Um, you know, it, some of it is physical symptoms. You know, some people experience, uh, you know, physical manifestations of burnout. And that can be anything from fatigue to aches mm-hmm. and pains to, um, you know, sweats. And I mean, really, it's it, it could be so many different things. And then we look into um, the emotional fatigue that can sometimes happen with that. People starting to care less, like they're they're feeling very disconnected. Compassion fatigue is is sometimes um, mm-hmm. talked about, and you know, it's interesting when we see this at different seasons of life, right? Um, and especially in the perimenopause time, I'm always like, well, let's check your hormones, right? Just to see, and you know, let's make sure that what what is contributing to this? Because of course it can be burnout, but it could also be, there's a combination of things and that hormones are starting to shift and we want to support. Um, But I do think that, and this is one thing that I do in, in my wellbeing program is we have to also look at what are some other ways that we can get some support, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to be so personalized to everyone in my program, we, we talk about different ways, uh, what I call tenets of well-being. These were the tenets I used as I was right, 
kind of coming back from burnout to really just create a a foundation for my well-being. And the first tenant is vision. And so it's really getting crystal clear on like, who, <laughs> like, who do I need here? What am I doing this for? Right? Because, you know, like we talked about before, as life goes on, things shift, right? Mm-hmm. Our priority was here. Then we add a little other people to the picture or we move or we change a job. You know, there's just so many things that happen. Um, our family member, you know, has an illness and this changes or helps us to laser focus in on our values and what's important to us. And so the first step is let's look at our vision. Like what, what has changed? What's still the same? And then we get really clear on how do we add more of the things that contribute to my well-being, and start peeling away some of those things that maybe we don't need to do or we don't want to do anymore. Somebody else would love to do them. And we're, you know, we could give them that opportunity. Um, And, uh, and then we, you know, there's, there's more tenants that we focus on there too, but that's, that's kind of the beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, So yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about maybe your services or your programs um, that you offer. I've seen you, you know, I've I follow, I've followed you on Instagram for a while. So I've seen you post, you know, so I'm like, I've got, you know, 30 new clients or members maybe of that community or whatever. So I'd love to talk a little bit about like your wild program or any, any of that yeah. that you would like to share and kind of what that looks like if someone was interested in trying to dive deeper into that. Yeah. So right now I've got um, kind of two main programs. One is called wild wellbeing, which wild stands for wholeness is life's design. And it's an overall well-being program for for people in Arkansas. I can be their healthcare provider there, so we can check labs and and um, do all the things and uh, look at specific symptoms for them. There's one-on-one appointments with me, with my health coaches, and also with a nutritionist to help support them in their health needs. If people are out of Arkansas, then it'd be more of like a uh, health coaching environment um, and, you know, more of like burnout prevention and recovery. Uh, and so that process, it really just takes people through from where they are, what sort of concerns they have, and um, typically about a six month process. And six months later, we look back at all the things that have changed, whether it's labs to symptoms to, you know, what they wanted to change in their life. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And, uh, you know, see how, how things have shifted from the beginning. Um, and then I have a hormonal harmony program for people who are looking to explore, you know, hormonal support. Again, it's all, all of this is from a whole health, um, you know, perspective, because Mm -hmm. I don't think that we can look at just one thing, you know, we're looking at, metabolic health and inflammation and um, cortisol and um, your female hormones so that we can see like what's going on right now. How do those correlate with your symptoms and what is your personalized support, whether it's through nutrition, uh, movement recommendations, supplements, herbs, hormone therapy, um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then of course, 
someone could just come see you, right? If they wanted to, yeah. like they don't yeah, just make an appointment and people do yep, more I, one-on-one. I do have a uh, clinic in Arkansas, so they can do in-person appointments or I do virtual. So if, if uh, people want health coaching support, um, hormonal health support, then I can see them virtually. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's good. Yeah. I love that we have so many virtual options now, you know, know. maybe that's one thing we can thank COVID for, you know, maybe we would have gotten gotten there anyway. I don't know, but, um, you know, maybe not as quick. Right. So, um, exactly. No, you're, you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, great. I mean, I guess kind of a last question would just be, um, as you're seeing, you know, any common themes that you're seeing with women as they're coming in, like, like that they're, they're common complaints that you see over and over again. And I realize everyone is different, but um, what are some of the main things that you're seeing in your practice with patients? The main complaints. um, And I think obviously it's self-selected because people know what I do. um, Of course. Yeah. You know, people are always like wanting to come in and support their hormones. Um, and fatigue is one of the top, like it's always at the top fatigue. Yeah. That, um, I mean, weight I management get that. is sometimes, uh, one of the top ones also. And because I do focus on hormonal health and sexual well-being, I do have a lot of patients that are coming in with, uh, sexual health concerns. Mm-hmm. So decreased libido, arousal, um, pain with intercourse. So, Really, that's kind of the the biggest conglomerate, which obviously the hormonal balance one could we could, you know, we could go through those symptoms we listed before. But those are the the major ones. All right. Anything else, you know, that you can think of that you'd want to share? I mean, I feel like we have covered quite a bit, but if I miss something, you know, let me know. um, I think we should share how they can find you. What you talked about earlier is, you know, kind of feeling like we don't really have a place to talk about this. You know, Mm -hmm. I tell, I say to everyone, I'm like, tell all your friends, like tell all your friends what is happening to you because we need to hear these stories. We need to normalize them and we need to normalize getting support for them, right? This is not like our grandma's era of like, we just suffer through, this Mm -hmm. is what everybody goes through. And then we have to do this. Um, That's done, right? So tell all your friends. That's what I always say. Tell all your friends, because the more we talk about it, uh, first of all, you you feel like, okay, I'm not the only one going through this, which is so important (laughs) for self-compassion. It is. It really is. Yeah. Um, But it also the resources, you know, most of my patients find me through word of mouth. It, there's always someone that's like, hey, you go try this nutritionist or go see this person. They specialize in that sort of thing. And so, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we'll get these people connected to providers that can really help them out. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's yeah. such an important point. Um, and it's funny you say that too, because I have like a, you know, group text thread with close girlfriends and we will text stuff, you know, like that. And it and yeah. then they'll be like, oh my God, girl, me too. You know? And so it does make you feel better <laughs> yeah. to know yes. that like, okay, this is normal. I'm not a weirdo, you know, or whatever. Right. So um, it right. is important to and have the, community. The number of people that are, that will say to me, like, I don't know if this is weird. Right. And then 
and then tell me, and I'm like, girl, no, everybody, yes, people yeah, are having like, that. Heard that's that not before. weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to leave it like that, but like that is, that happens. So let's yeah. figure out how to support it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, where can people find you on, you know, Instagram or website or anything like that, yeah. that you share stuff on? So Instagram's probably best. It's Kristen Markell, MD. And my website is the same, kristenmarkellmd.com. So yeah, please come on Instagram, say hi. I love to chat. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes so that people can click right on it and go to you if, uh, if that's easier for them. But yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you about all these things. And um, we might have to have a follow-up episode. I have a feeling we'll get some, you know, kind of follow-up questions around some of these topics. So thank you. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was great, Nicole. Thanks. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And if you did, please hit subscribe. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram, asking any questions, leave a comment, and even share this episode with a friend who you think might like it as well. Until next time, guys, have a great day.